On this exciting entry of Animation Deliberation, we are covering the latest entry of What If? What if Eric Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? We're going to get into that right after some ads that we have no say over whatsoever. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. Hey listeners, I've got an exciting giveaway to tell you about. For the month of September, the Stranded Panda Network is doing a raffle to give away your choice of a Nintendo Switch or an Oculus Quest. All you have to do is leave a positive five-star review on any Stranded Panda podcast on Apple Podcasts. Each review counts as a raffle, so when you're done enjoying this episode of Animation Deliberation, take a moment to check out some awesome shows like Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, Superhero Ethics, Source Pages, Binge's Assemble, and more. To see all our shows and rules for the raffle, check out strandedpanda.com slash contest. Now back to the show. Sing along if you know the words. One, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration. Of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. yeah. Woohoo. All right. Feels good. Feels good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, Zuhair, you did a great job last week. I appreciate you stepping up and filling in while we pondered what happens uh, when I'm not here. <laughs> yeah between uh me losing my voice for a while then you having to travel with wong in the multiverse it's been a while since we've been in each other's company good to be with you buddy yep yep we got the dream team here we're kicking it old school the animation deliberation duo that started it all and we're here to discuss an exciting episode for my for my money i had the opportunity to talk about it a little bit on the marvel cinematic universe podcast instant reaction so i'm very curious my friend what are you thinking about this this entry of what if? What if Eric Killmonger saved Tony Stark? Or rescued, rather. Yeah, while we are the likely duo, this was definitely a duo that I was not expecting to see. Uh, we did get a little tidbit of it in the trailer, seeing them working together a little bit. But I didn't think about too much what the whole episode would be like. And it definitely took a lot of twists and turns I wasn't expecting. Mm, uh, personally, yeah. my favorite... My 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 trio of the top solo movies in the MCU are Iron Man, Black Panther, and now Shang-Chi. So the fact mm. that two of those shows were put together was like really exciting for me because it had like the emotion and the tidbits and like all the stuff from those two movies that I really loved, but I wasn't expecting so much heartbreak in it. I was like, oh my <laughs> god, this is a lot of death. But also with what if there's been a lot of episodes that have been very far-fetched in terms of space, magic, timeline, things of that sort. So just like with the MCU, like how I was very excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Shang-Chi and Black Widow for things to be more grounded, it's nice to have a what-if episode that's grounded as well. And while it didn't get the feedback that... I don't think it's gotten the strongest feedback of all the episodes so far from hmm. the viewers, but I was happy with it. I really liked it. Okay how they experimented with it. It took a lot of twists and turns I wasn't expecting. And 
yeah, it was it was it was a really fun episode. Interesting. Uh, I think I've only heard a little bit about some of that negative feedback you're alluding to, so I'll have to, I'll be kind of interested to hear what some people's issues are. But I do agree with you. Um, I made the comparisons to episode three. And like, that's been the nice thing about this series with the question, what if it allows for a lot of different opportunities, like it can be a small question, it can be a huge question, it can have like, huge rippling ramifications and really push the envelope. And as fun as that is, and as exciting as that can be, I really find myself enjoying these kind of smaller stories that, as I said, on the instant reaction, they kind of relish in the established MCU. And it's like, it's kind of nice as such fans of these films and having watched these films so many times i always get a kick out of just kind of getting to see so many scenes just kind of turned on their head um yeah. so i was really high on the episode but um i'll have to keep an eye out for some of that some of those criticisms and i encourage um i, I liked what andrew said on the episode last week uh, encouraging people to tell us you know some of the the more critical feedback because it, it makes for a good conversation so yeah, because I am curious how much of it is because of the format, whether it be mm-hmm. that it's animated or whether it be the time slot and how much it actually is the storytelling. Like, true. listeners, are you enjoying the story and wish that it was stretched out more? Or is it the actual, like... Is it, like, the medium that makes you go, like, I'm not invested because I don't visually enjoy watching this I'm, I'm curious like what end of it it actually is yeah i i have no doubt that there are some detractors out there and it's like i have no problem whatsoever obviously we here at animation deliberation love animation it's a awesome medium but i understand it's not for everybody so i don't i don't you know but that's that's completely fine uh but i do kind of wonder if it's like almost like two strikes against it and the fact that it's animated like not everybody's going to be fully on board but it's the fact that it, the nature of the show is what if it's almost like you don't have to be invested. They are standalone stories. And is that why people sure. don't have the the itch and the desire just to, you know, catch up every episode as soon as it drops? But And today I was thinking about it on the road. We had our, I don't want to say issue, but like our grievance with Bad Batch of like the episodes were good, but not knowing if there was a season two made us like wonder like, or is this really what you're going to give us if it's only a certain amount of episodes? I feel like there's a similar concern that, that we know that there's going to be a what if season two, but it's also like which stories are going to be continued mm-hmm, because yeah. all of these are being left off with the cliffhanger. So it's like, well, I want more of this. Do I know I'm going to get more of this next year or in two years or this and that? Or is like, is this how they're going to wrap up that episode? So I, don't know, I, I understand all the different perspectives of it, but I'm just kind of curious, like, if I could make a little pie chart of who thinks what it'd be cool yeah, to kind of yeah. have, uh, if you guys could write in and let us know like what your grievance is with the show, like what you think is working or what you think isn't working. And I guess kind of like what your expectations uh, were to make it more to your liking. I got to be honest. That's kind of a segment I want for the show is Zuhari, you trying to describe like visual pie charts and Venn diagrams to audio listeners. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> Yeah, that'd I be think, fun i think it could, i think we get a kick out of it yeah yeah I, I think that might be just as difficult as trying to explain martial arts like i did a couple of weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> i was like hey try to picture this movement that i'm explaining <laughs> eh. well well on the subject of martial arts what did what did you think about the action in this episode we got to see i i think killmonger kind of was the 
focal point for most of it. Yeah, it, it seemed to be more weapons, like firearms based than it was um, like choreographed action sequences. But That's overall, true. it was really cool. There was a good diversity with it. My my main intrigue with this episode was I genuinely didn't know what Killmonger's intent was. I was like, are they actually making him a good guy? Like, mm-hmm. is, is he actually going to work with Tony throughout this? Does he actually have, like, no ill will towards Wakanda type of thing? And then when that twist came that he, like, turned his back on Stark, I was like, oh, crap. Uh, yeah. So overall, yeah. like, there was a lot of twists and turns of this. I was like, I had to watch Tony and T'Challa die. What is yeah. wrong with you guys? And Rhodey. Rhodey, too. And Rhodey. I mean, yeah. I didn't think as highly of him as the other two, but it's like, <laughs> no offense. Yeah. Um, but it, man, it was just rough. <laughs> it was really rough. I thought he yeah. was going to kill T'Chaka at the end. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I thought there was a, a moment in time where the claws were going straight into T'Chaka's back. But I, I agree with you too. It did have a lot of twists and turns, and I was fully invested with uh, Killmonger potentially being like a good guy and mm-hmm. not having the baggage with Wakanda be, because especially we get like the revelation and i don't know if it's true to the mcu version of killmonger it seemed like there were a lot of things that remained the same um with the characters but the fact that he had that like the college thesis and that he had worked on like ai himself like we'd never really seen that side of killmonger we obviously know that he's a pretty well-rounded guy to get as far as he has and like be an ex ex cia operative and whatnot so yeah yeah and michael b jordan is just so suave as as Killmonger, I'd be totally on board with seeing him come back in the live action films in yeah. some fashion. Yeah, it was the the line about Tony uh is like, oh, what if you put the arc reactor just made it smaller? No, that's stupid. So yeah. it's like we don't even have like this energy source. They actually just went straight to vibranium and breaking that down, which I thought was really interesting. But it just sucks that like Tony Stark genuinely wanted to help Killmonger in his uh, in his efforts to like protect the world a little more and like help the warfront at home. So it's like the fact that he kind of like turned his back just because of his vendetta was like, dude, like you actually could have accomplished your mission a little bit, but well, you killed two heroes instead, three heroes instead. Well, it, it just goes to show that's, that's the difference between he and Tony and Awatu said it at the beginning of the episode, like, heroes are forged in darkness so whereas tony did not have his opportunity to be forged in darkness killmonger still has he this is still very much the same in jadaka that lost in in jobu like in oakland in the early 90s and has been holding this vengeance uh for such a long time and not just against wakanda he hates the whole like white imperialistic like the colonization that the the world exists in and Tony Stark is very much a part of that. And so is Ulysses Claw. So I think him taking out Tony Stark in this, in this universe is almost kind of, he's doing it in the same motivation as, as when he takes out Claw. I mean, obviously Claw has committed heinous crimes against Wakanda. So there's that opportunity to use him as leverage, but 
<laughs> Man, I love Ulysses Claus so much, and I was excited to get more of him. And I was like, why does he have to be killed off in every universe? <laughs> I just want more of this character. I hate, I hate when MCU makes such a good villain and just has to keep killing him off or like making them a good guy. It's like, which one hasn't reached one of those two fates? <laughs> Like, give me a couple stories with them first. Yeah, yeah. At least he got to show up in Age of Ultron, and I felt like they paid a lot of uh, homage to that scene. And I was really expecting him to say cuttlefish. I was waiting for it. I was like, cuttlefish, cuttlefish. cuttlefish. <laughs> no cuttlefish, but that's okay. Terrified of cuttlefish. <laughs> so Andy Serkis is always fantastic performance. Do you have the name of the person that did Tony Stark? Because... I did not know it wasn't RDJ. Like, I knew that he wasn't in it. So and as an afterthought, I was like, wow, that wasn't him. That person did a phenomenal job. Yeah, yeah. The vocal performer's name is Mike Wingert. And I agree with you. I, I think he did an incredible job 90% of the time. There were, mm-hmm. like, two or three lines that, like, when he ended, they were just, like, way too nasally. And they yeah. just like hit me the wrong way. And I think it's because he was doing such a good job sounding like RDJ mm. that when it didn't work, it just it hit my ears really sharply. Uh, the only one I can call out off the top of my head is when he's talking to Killmonger. And he's like, I melted down that that ring of yours. And just the way he, he ends yours is like super yeah. nasally. Uh, that makes sense. Between the Tom Holland, RDJ and chris evans like the the voice actors who did their roles instead i think i'm gonna rank it the guy who did who tried to copy tom holland did the best okay the rdj one is second and chris evans is like third i would agree with you that the uh and i wish i had the tom holland guy's name in front of me but we're not covering that episode so i don't have that readily (laughs) available uh but i would just flip flop steve and and Tony, because I, I I hear what pe- some people were saying about S- Steve not being um, right on the money, but I think for me it works almost better not to capture it a hundred percent, so that it, I don't have any of those moments where I'm just like, oh, that didn't yeah didn't work for me. But hundred uh, percent capture I, the essence of the character, not the not the actor. Right, right. But on the other side of, of things in terms of this being like an animated series, so we've got the vocal performances and we talked a little bit about the action and you alluded to the fact that we got more weapons work. Uh, one of the things I've been noticing about the series, and especially in this episode, is with like the muzzle flashes and stuff like that. So like the muzzle flashes allow for a lot of illumination in the foreground. And I'm starting to see more and more that they are really like invoking almost like a comic book aesthetic as much as this is like almost video game with the cell shading and whatnot i'm noticing like the models in the foreground have the most detail and the most three dimension and there's almost like a second layer that's still 3d but with less detail and as you get towards the background it just gets more and more flat and it creates a really cool almost like paper cut out with like a light shining behind it kind of effect and i'm I'm really digging it it's almost as if on a key scene of the episode you could pause and it would be like a comic book panel yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah that's cool i really thought about it like that yeah yeah did you have any any lines that stuck out to you i thought uh killmonger was just afforded the opportunity for a lot of like great just one-liners 
Uh, I don't remember the actual quote, but he was like, what? I like anime. And then Tony Stark <laughs> said something along the lines about like the most advanced Gundam. Yep, <laughs> I yep. lost him about those lines. I was like, yes, this is so cool. <laughs> Definitely thought about you. <laughs> one of the one of the, he's a huge Dragon Ball Z fan and his armor is actually based loosely off of Vegeta. Yes. And what's interesting is when I was watching Shang-Chi for the second time, Shang-Chi is actually wearing an orange jacket that has like bluish sleeves, which made me think of like Goku a little bit. So I'm oh, wondering like okay. how much more like anime influence is coming out of this. Yeah. But the yeah. fact I like when when actors get to bring a little bit of like who they are in real life into the characters that they're putting in. So little things like that. I'd be like, what? I like Definitely. anime. It was just like such a perfect line just to I don't know. I just I like that they can be themselves a little bit too. No, I and it 100% works agree. It yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel meta, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with you. Those people that like pay attention to the tabloids and know who Michael B Jordan is behind the camera, it was a nice yeah. little wink and nod for them. Like the the dialogue between Tony Stark and uh Doctor Strange in Infinity War, like everybody mm. wanted them to say no to Sherlock. But right. like that would have been too meta, which is why like they they openly said like this is why we're gonna put the line like do you concur? So it's like a little more subtle and it like flows a little better and doesn't give you like the ah oh, they said it type thing because everybody was expecting them to say it. But when they bring yeah. it in classier ways, like what I like anime or do you concur? Like little little tidbits like that like flavor nicely instead of like totally taking you away from what's happening, you know. Yeah, I hear where you're coming from. Uh, I personally would have liked to have heard no Sherlock just because I'm oh same basic. And <laughs> I would have loved to have heard it, but I like yeah. how they handled it. For sure, for sure. I did want to mention while you brought up Shang-Chi for the second time and you made the comparisons like the three standalone Marvel movies, you do get like the connection there. Like it's nice to hear the the Ten Rings come up again, but to have that context now. Now we know like who yeah. the Ten Rings really are, and Razor Fist is out there somewhere. Maybe not this early on, but he's Win Wu is is out there, and Death Dealer. It's it's just cool to have that that context for the Ten Rings now. I'm I'm wondering how old Shang Chi was at that point too. Like maybe his mom was still alive, and he was just at the compound, like living his best life. Well, that was a th- not to get off too too into the weeds while we're talking about Shang Chi. But you and I really haven't had an opportunity to explore Shang Chi too much. But that was the thing when I was watching it when uh, his parents didn't meet until ninety six. I was I was really surprised. I was like, whoa! I wasn't expecting Shang Chi to be quite that yeah. young. But then you do have to take the five year blip into account. So I guess he yeah. was supposed to be like twenty five, twenty six, and um, during the the film's proceedings or somewhere around there. So uh, I guess he's probably he he might have his been... friend has like a law degree and everything so she's been in college for a while yeah and he was 14 when he accepted that mission from his father so hmm so technically he's three years younger than me okay so 25 if he wasn't blipped so iron man is supposed to take place in 2009 and if this is like six months to a year after that we can call it 2010 so shang chi should be how old are we saying i'm not the greatest with math here i've just been trying to provide details so you could do the math <laughs> probably 15 okay that i think that that adds up because i was gonna say 
for my kind of for it to work in my head i think he should have already probably done that mission and be on his own and kind of establishing himself with katie and stuff like that so if he's 15 okay. that sounds right about right about right sorry for that detour guys we just really love that movie yeah it's it's so good i can't wait to see it again <laughs> my uh my Black Widow Blu-ray came in the other day too, so I'm Ooh. really excited to finally be able to read because I've only Ooh. watched that once in theaters. Yeah, I've only seen it once as well. That. I got duked by Disney Plus. I saw I saw it on Disney Plus, but without the like the premiere access banner on there, and I was like, oh, I can watch it on Disney Plus now. But then when I went to click on it, it was like not till October sixth, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> they want to give people the opportunity to like actually purchase it first. For sure, for sure, as they should. Support that movie, support Shang-Chi, support What If, and support Animation Deliberation. There's a contest going on right now that incentivizes you to do so. Animation Deliberation. Yeah. Okay. Other things for this episode. I did want to call out Leslie Bibb returning as Christine Everhart as the character that she played in the first Iron Man, where she's the reporter that he slept with. Um, We get her back. And it's funny because she actually... uh, performed as christine palmer in episode four really she gets to play two christines two different christines but yeah this has been her second performance in the what if series so i've never been so like titillated with a conversation (laughs) about creme brulee before she's did a really good job i was like (laughs) nice use of titillated I feel like I, I feel like I heard that word in an MCU movie too. I feel like Tony Stark said it at one point. It's like I'm oh, titillated by a proposal or something like that. I'm sure he. I'm sure he did. I'm I'm failing right now as an MCU <laughs> fan, but it definitely sounds like something Tony would say. I'm trying to find the. Um, uh, they actually ha- they hired that actress to do like little news segments during Phase Two of the MCU. There was like these little oh, right, two right, minute right. bits where she was like covering what happened. I remember they did some before Ant-Man came out. She did like coverage of Scott Lang's like crime against his company. Yeah, WHIH Newsfront with Christine Everhart. That's that's yep. MCU canon people. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was those little things like that that were just really cool. Uh I can't remember it. I I'm not I'm not going to look at it too much, but yeah, there's episodes that talked about uh, different things that happen throughout the MCU, like there's a meeting with the president. They're talking about Avengers or meeting with Avengers. Like, so the fact oh, cool. that she got to keep her role between a lot of Phase Two projects and then like still be able to stay active and you know you, you have good relationships with people and you just you get to keep keep the hype going. And it's cool that she's get to do stuff in Phase Four as well. Yeah, agreed. That's the nice thing about the MCU. It builds up this shared universe. So anytime we can pluck those people that we haven't seen in, in way too long, like again, sorry to bring up Shang-Chi again, but just, and spoilers for Shang-Chi, by the way, but just getting to see Abomination when we haven't seen him since all the way back in 2008, Incredible Hulk. I just love stuff like that. So I agree with you. Great to see Leslie Bibb back as Christine Everhart. I do have another negative, and I hate—I always hate to be negative, but as much as I've been singing the praises of Michael B. Jordan and as many of his lines like really um, resonated and, and struck a chord with me, the one that I found incredibly disappointing, uh, it happened twice when he was on the battlefield in Wakanda. When he says Wakanda forever, like that should have sent chills down my spine, like Eric Killmonger getting to say Wakanda forever. And both times it just landed flat for me. I felt like I could tell Michael B. Jordan was like, 
in an area where he had to like keep his voice down or something like that because it was just, Wakanda forever. Yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> like, yeah, I I don't know why they went that direction. Like, I just yeah. have nothing else to say about it except that it just it wasn't well done. Yeah. I, I, some of this I'm sure was done during the, the pandemic. So not to give him a total pass, but yeah, just where we're artists is, and we can just judge and just say that, Hey, it's a creative decision that didn't work out, but good on you for trying, I guess. Yeah. Should have done another take. Should have done another take. Or like, if you couldn't decide, like make the second one a different way and been like, Oh, that one sounded better, but like what'd you think of uh general romanda that was so cool yeah. i was not that was another twist i just was not expecting he was like are you ready general just cues to her i was like wait what <laughs> she's in her prime right now this is awesome yep and she's the one that gets to say for t'challa and i'll never forget in the black panther oh, yeah. film when she the when she approaches mbaku when um when Again, spoilers for Black Panther as well. I'm sure everybody's watched Black Panther at this point. But when we still believe uh, T'Challa might be dead, and I'll never forget when she's like, my son. And we know that T'Challa is actually, at least in the comics, he's her adopted son. But to still hear the way she says my son, like always, again, I'm talking about sending chills down my spine, but that one always sends chills down my spine. So to hear Romanda get to say like for T'Challa, especially, you know, in the real world, we know the unfortunate passing of, of Chadwick Boseman. So those lines like that always just hit a little bit more than they would. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. She had some, she had some good emotional moments on that, especially like the way that Okoye and all the other people were like looking up to her and everything. Cause she was like mounted up on one of the, the sentries as she said that, man, she was cool. The way the spear went through two of them and she just grabbed it, like ripped it out from both their heads. I was like, what a moment to just be like so powerful. And then like that emotional offload at the same time, like balance, just, it's just very beautiful balance. Yeah. Yeah. So in Wakanda, there can be a King and a black Panther and they don't necessarily have to be both. Like you can be both, but there can be, there can be a King and like somebody else is a black Panther. So it's, Correct. it's so, I'm curious, like what the age gap between T'Chaka and his wife are that like he's retired as the Black Panther, but she's still general of the Dora Milaje. Good question. He's been rocking that white hair for quite a while. So, yeah, right? but he was Black Panther, at least up until the early 90s. Yeah, I, I have to imagine, you know, um, taking his brother's life probably weighed pretty heavily on him and he probably. Yeah retired not and too, even, too long after that even in black panther like one of the elders had the dialogue of like we don't need a warrior right now we need a king true uh, so i wonder if that was a factor too if he was actually dealing with i mean and now like wakanda's on the map too like people are aware of it and they think that wakanda attacked tony yep um, a lot of pitting people against each other it was really dark yeah yeah you get that propaganda it's like only you can avenge Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah. General Ross is always cool to see in his minor roles. I did have a question. Has he always been in the Air Force? And again, I feel like I'm failing as an MCU fan, but I felt like back in like Incredible Hulk, he was more like, and in the comics, he was more Army. I thought he was Army. 
he was definitely wearing an Air Force uniform in this show. And maybe maybe that's just this what if spinoff. He's more connected to Rhodey and Tony in, in that way. But <laughs> in the multiverse he switched military branches. Yeah. I, I don't know. I always thought he was I Army. Didn't, I didn't think about it because I don't know why I assumed it was just like Secretary Ross and he just was wearing like a DOD type uniform more than a army specific one. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, those definitely were Air Force Blues. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'll follow up on the next episode. I'll do some deep dives on yeah. Thaddeus Ross in the uh in the MCU. Uh let's see. Uh I guess only other thing I really have to mention here is uh Owatu didn't do as much as we've seen him do in some of the episodes, but he's still making more of an appearance. And he's definitely, as far as his physical appearance goes, he we're seeing more detail. We're getting to see the color of his flesh. I think it's um, not to like make fun of Jeffrey Wright or anything like that, but I think you can kind of tell with the Owatu character model, like they've, they've done the motion capture there. It kind of looks like his likeness kind of morphed with the Owatu from the comics, if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> Well, two things about Uato. Mm-hmm. The first, do you feel like every episode they're showing him more? Like, I feel like throughout the episodes he's getting a little bit more dialogue, and now you're like, whereas before you would just see the silhouette in the horizon, like we're actually seeing his face. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's an interesting decision. I'm wondering if it's leading to something. Like, if that's just like something we're supposed to be tracking as we go. I have to imagine so. Before it was just the voice, and then he was like a silhouette in the horizon, and then now they're putting more details in the face and there's more conversation. I'm like, that's very interesting. Is this his yeah. character development? Yeah. Initially, he, in terms of like that cosmic, like intangible kind of feel that he had, he almost reminded me of the character Eternity from the comics, where they're basically just almost like a living constellation in that way. Uh, but the, in this episode, it was definitely the most detail we've seen on that like 3D model for Watu. Like he was standing there, clear as day for me on the horizon. Um, yeah. But obviously, none of the other characters can see him. But I have to imagine before this is all said and done, he's going to be doing something that has lasting impact. Yeah. It was a really good decision to have Killmonger like look off to the sunset and you think that he's looking at Oatu, but then it was yeah. just the dialogue and him admiring the sunset and I was like like I knew that he wasn't gonna talk, but there was a part of me that like the intensity still kinda went up, like, oh my god, is something about to happen right now? Mm. Mm-hmm. So my my grievance with I guess the creatives of what if with all the emphasis that the MCU has been doing in like pronouncing names right and everything with different Mm -hmm. cultures uh with what we've had with african culture and now with eastern asian cultures the fact that they decided to say afghanistan instead of afghanistan kind of bothered me Hmm. and middle eastern so probably just touched me a little more than it should have but it was like you you've been you've been having all this emphasis for a while as a company to you know, to be like more inclusive in this and that. And he's the watcher. He watches over the whole multiverse. I'm pretty sure he knows how a country's name is properly pronounced. So I kind of wish they put in a little bit of effort to like say it properly. 
Um, that's that's a fair criticism. Yeah, I did it. I didn't necessarily pick up on it, but I appreciate the fact yeah. that you did. So, uh, and in on that note, I know we've we've brought up Shang Chi a, a couple of times here, but you've got me wondering. I know I've been making a concentrated effort to say Shang Chi rather than Shang Chi, but if I messed up and said Shang Chi at any point in time, I apologize. Yeah. But I, I think I've made a pretty good effort to say Shang Chi every time. But yeah, uh, it's a work in progress. We're all striving to be better. So. Yeah, it's just it's really funny when I when I say things like Pakistan, Afghanistan, things like that. And people are like, I'm sorry, where? I was like, Afghanistan. Oh, that's oh dumb. yeah. Why didn't you say it like that the first time? I was like, that's, that's dumb. the wrong way to say it. Like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to get off on a whole different tangent now. But uh, while we're just on the subject, I work with this guy and his name is Amrish. But he's gotten like, I guess he's lived around here so long or just been around like ignorant people for so long he's actually gotten the habit of just like he goes by amrish and it's just like mm. i can't do that so every time I, I i see him i call him amrish and stuff like that it's just such a weird yeah. weird thing it's just like it's your name man like tell people to yeah. say your name correctly yeah it's the same thing with my sister like her name is pronounced mahira mm. and people just say like myra so much they just kind oh. of clunk it together Sure. Uh, to the point where that's how she introduces herself, or oh. like Mahira. Mahira is how she'll say it. Mm. And be like, "Hi, I'm Mahira." Like, like try to get people to say your name right. Like, my name is yeah. two English words, Zuhair, and people butcher that all the time too. So it's like, I would rather yeah. somebody ask me how to say my name a million times than to like butcher it. Like, you're not going to offend me, baby. Like, hey, what was your name again? Yeah. Agreed. Well, on the subject of say my name, <laughs> uh, this is a hell of a segue here. I was going to try and get to uh, the stuff that we have, the other stuff that we have going on, but it's it's too much of a reach. So um, what what else do you have to say about this episode? Anything else? Uh, last twist for me when he showed up in when he hit the ancestral plane and he looks at the panther and it turns into T'Challa and he kind of has that dialogue of criticism. Mm hmm. That was an intense way to end the episode, like the way that he was making his points and the fact that they decided that's how it closed out was like, ooh, that was, was, that was good conversation. Was that the last time we saw Killmonger? Because I think the episode ended with Shuri and Pepper kind of joining forces, right? That was the last thing we saw in the episode is like, a and then Awatu says like, heroes never die, they live forever yeah and like the legacy they have so yeah i think that was right yeah. after yeah yeah but no, i i agree with you it was great to uh have chadwick as t'challa kind of be able to have that exchange with killmonger again because they're both so great it's like we're cousins yeah. and you did me dirty and that's coming back on you guy <laughs> yeah it was interesting that he didn't see his dad. He saw his cousin instead and in that beautiful garment that I never get tired of seeing. Oh, I love those purples and just seeing yeah, the Panthers just like lazily in that tree. Like, yeah. I would love to have that afterlife. That That's cool with me, but I'm a cat person. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it for me. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, for my money, another stellar entry into uh, what if, but as we mentioned, if you've got feedback, good or bad, let us know what you're thinking animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com is the best place to do that but you can always hit us up at the stranded panda chat facebook.com slash group slash sp chat and uh zuhair do you have any other projects going on that you'd like to let the people know about 
Uh, if anybody wants to help me move, that'd be greatly appreciated. <laughs> Only have a couple weeks left, and I'm ripping my hair out in this whole process. If not, I think I'm good right now. Okay. As for myself, I have been appearing on a few different things, sometimes to my detriment. I need to schedule things a little bit better. But uh, the reason I, I brought up Say My Name is because myself, Matthew Carroll, and Haley Hobbs, who, is, uh, who appeared on the show last week from Source Pages there, we covered 2006's Casino Royale, one of the 007 movies, the first one with Daniel Craig. And we're doing all of the Daniel Craig 007 movies in preparation for No Time to Die, which drops in October. And then I've also got the Pandavision coverage of what we do in the shadows on FX with BVK and Karen Huffstetler. So check that stuff out and don't forget about that review contest that's going to be going on the entire month of September. So keep tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Stay warmed. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Grand Canyon University, a Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering over 250 engaging programs online. GCU integrates the free market system and its welcoming Christian worldview perspective into its academic programs and throughout its online campus. GCU's online students received over $144 million in scholarships in 2021. Visit gcu.edu myoffer to see the scholarships you qualify for. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University.